So today what I want to do, because we did speak about our why, which is the reason and purpose, is heaven to earth. Then we spoke about the how, which is presence, health and influence. And then we spoke about the what, which is everything that we do, the specific actions we take place as a church, which is upper room, worship, all the events and the Sunday morning service, all those things are what we do which point back to how we want to do it. And the how was presence, health and influence. It was that long list that we read out for about 10 minutes. Or there was probably 30 things in presence. There was 30 things in health and there was about 30 things in influence. And they explained how heaven comes to earth. That list was actually saying, this is how heaven comes to earth. Yes, it can come mysteriously. Yes, it can come spiritually. And often that's our only grid and lens in which we see heaven coming to earth. We think it's a cloud. We think it's fire. We think it's him moving in an immaterial way that's eerie and, 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 and mysterious. But that's, that's true and that does happen. And that's probably fueling everything that's in his kingdom and that he wants to see. But it's actually more practical than we realise Heaven coming to earth is more practical and it's found in how we're going to do it in presence, health and influence. So when we have testimonies about presence, which is that list last week and it's on our website, when we start having testimonies of health, which is our inner world, and we, and we start to see testimonies around that and then we have testimonies around influence, guess what? That's heaven coming to earth because all those things are in heaven. It's, it's a culture thing. It's not a, a geographical thing. It's not a physical thing, it's a culture thing. When we talk about what does heaven look like, what's on earth can't be here, that's, that's a heart thing, it's a culture thing, it's a standard thing, it's a value thing. So we're believing for everything that heaven is about to be here on the earth and it happens through our how. How does it happen? Presence, health and influence. So I want to encourage you guys to go through that list. As a staff, we're going to go through the list and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go through it. And just that's because that is the evidence that it's happening. Because it's one thing to have an idea and a great vision of heaven coming to earth. It's like, how the heck are we going to actually do that? How does it practically play out? Show me how it's measurable. Show me how it's practical. Show me how it's tangible. Because otherwise we're just hoping and not hope the Greek translation. Hope is in a natural sense, wishful thinking. So today, what I want to do, I want to set, I want to, I want to, I want to, um, I want to speak out of our foundation today to give, to give us the, the elementary foundation of heaven to earth. So we can understand it more that it's not just about God doing stuff and it's not just about us praying and hoping, but it's, but it's realising His heart for it and that we can actually see it happen. Is that okay? So there's going to be a few scriptures, and I do share scriptures and love the Bible. I, mean, I might rattle off 15. They might not all be on the screen, but I've got quite a few on the screen. It's been a while since I've done some teaching because we've been in foundation mode. We've been in culture mode. We've been in building mode. There's been specific keys over the last 18 months that we're building a foundation to stand on. So I feel like that's kind of nearly over. But I'm just loving what he's doing. And today I want to talk about heaven to earth and what that actually means. Is that okay? I'd encourage you to take notes. If I don't see you grab a pen or your phone, I'm not going to judge you. Brett, I'm not going to judge you, mate. Like if you don't pull your phone out, I'm not going to presume you don't care. 
No, I'm kidding. Um, lighten up. It's okay. We're in church. We okay? Great. 11.07. Here we go. Okay, Genesis 28. Here's the foundation of heaven to earth. It's going to be on screen. Let's go through it. Okay. Holy Spirit. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went down, uh, went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set, makes sense. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head. What a tough guy. And lay down in that place. He had a dream, verse 12, and behold, a ladder was set on earth and its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and Isaac and the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and east and to the north and to the south and in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It's amazing. Verse 15, behold, I am with you, wow, and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then verse 16, 17, the key for today. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Verse 17, he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is no other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Let me read verse 17 again. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is no other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is amazing. This was a dream from God. Now, I want to fast forward to a prayer of, from the prophet Isaiah, one of the key prophets in the Old Testament. He wrote the book of Isaiah. Interesting about the book of Isaiah, it's got 66 books in it. 39, there's 39 here that are very Old Testament and then there's 27 starting at verse 40 that are messianic. You know, the Bible's got 66, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. That's just God just being fun and amazing because He's like that. Isn't that amazing? So Isaiah, what we're going to look at now, so we're looking at, okay, Jacob's had this dream. There was a ladder it was started on earth and it reached towards heaven and there was a picture in it that angels were ascending and descending and Jacob made the declaration after the God dream that this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. Let's go to Isaiah 64 verse 1 to 4. This is a desperate cry from Isaiah. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. He's praying to the Lord. How the mountains would quake in your presence as fire causes wood to burn and water to boil. Your coming would make the nations tremble. 
Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked, for since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for Him. So what we've got, we've got this, we've got the dream of God. Jacob didn't make it up. Jacob just explained it at the end. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And then we've got Isaiah, thousand years later, and he's praying and he's like, this situation's wild. And I'm praying, God, would you, some translators say, would you rend the heavens? Would you burst forth out of the heavens? Let's look at the new, the NIV, Jen. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. I want to look at this word rend here in Hebrew. It's kara with a Q. And it means to be torn, to be torn in pieces or to be split apart. And the context is like a garment being torn to pieces. So Isaiah is saying, would you tear the realm between us and you apart so that you can come down and sort all this out? You ready? Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. So great. At the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. He saw heaven being torn open. Jacob had the dream. Isaiah prayed the prayer. And here we have Jesus at his baptism. The heavens were torn open. Let's go to the Passion Translation of Mark chapter 1, verse 10. The moment Jesus rose up out of the water, John saw the heaven realm split open and the Holy Spirit descend like a dove and rested upon him. In John it says, and the Holy Spirit remained on him. Let's look at the Greek word now for the word torn. We saw the Hebrew word. Now let's look at the Greek word. It's the word schizo. And it means to tear, to divide, and to split. And it comes from a root word, schisma, which means tear, split, divide, and object into parts with an implication that the object is now damaged. Implying discord and damage to the unity of the original, meaning it can no longer be fixed or repaired. It can never be put back the way it was, is the context of this word schisma. It's amazing. It was changed and it was done. Can we go further? Can we go further? Yeah? Awesome. Mark 15, 
chapter, uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 37 to 39. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. It's the same Greek word, from top to bottom. And the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died and said, surely this man was the son of God. Probably one of the greatest verses ever. Matthew 27, 54 says the same thing. The centurion had an encounter with Jesus and believed. Unbelievable. So Isaiah prayed, tear the heavens down. When Jesus was baptised, what happened? God teared the heavens apart, answering the prayer of Isaiah, fulfilling the dream of Jacob. The heavens were torn open and the curtain was torn open, symbolising a new day. We sang it before. We're, we're excited about the new day. We're, we've got a smirk on our face when we sing, I've got a feeling the darkness isn't going to last very long. That's nothing to do with Jesus coming back. That's everything to do with sons and daughters who believe in Jesus stepping up and influencing the world so the light gets brighter. Because we don't have a, oh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We've got a large light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. This is the light of mine. I don't want to tease or bag the guy that wrote the song, but theologically an incorrect song. You've got a really big light. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So what have we got? We've got this this dream. We've got this prayer from Isaiah. We've got the heavens being torn open at the day of the baptism. We've got the curtain being torn. But what does the curtain represent? Can we go to Hebrews? The curtain was symbolic of, of a new day, a new way of thinking, a new possibility. The curtain represents his body. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence. Cheech, can you fill that up? Thanks, mate. Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a high priest over us, that's Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings. He's opened this whole new way up to us, this this possibility of connection, intimacy, vulnerability, Him seeing us, us being fully known, all the things that He put inside of us, being aware of the promises, the prophecies, the gifts, the talents, the intricacies, the passions, the joys. He's put them all in us. He's set this whole thing up. And what did He do? He tore open the heavens and never sewn them back up because the Word didn't allow it. The Word used for torn did not allow it to be torn back. It was as if it was damaged to, to such a point that it could not be sewed back up. So he, he's explaining what is happening through the Gospels, through the heaven opening, through the curtain being torn, the same Word, and then through Jesus' body being torn. And then Hebrews goes into it and explains it. The curtain was his body, which made available this heaven on earth, this heaven to earth lifestyle. Jesus was the bridge between heaven and earth. 
It was made possible through his body. Just like that, the heavens, just like the curtain, just like his body, it was changed. So are we because of the cross and through his body that was broken. When we take communion, we're remembering that we're, it's, it's all changed. It's finished. It's done. That this life, this heavenly, this heavenly expression that was manifest in Jesus of what's possible was now available for all because of his body. And we remember that at communion and we, we ponder the possibilities of what our life could look like when he said, you'll do greater works. When he said, go and announce the kingdom and these signs will follow those that believe. We ponder, we pray, we, we process all of those things that he said. It's actually possible. Jesus was the conduit. Through his body, he was bringing heaven to earth, the curtain, the possibilities, the promises, forgiveness, being born again. It was possible because Jesus came. Jesus came to reveal what the Father was like and what the kingdom was like and what heaven was like. Are you with me? Genesis 28, 17 again. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is no other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. We're going a little bit deeper now. So please try and stay with me. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you take us from information knowledge, from five sense knowledge into the deep things of who you are, where we can be transformed. We thank you, Lord, that it only, if it only stays in our head, then transformation can't take place. But we thank you right now, God, that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is coming with the spirit of wisdom and revelation where we can actually be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen? This is the gate of heaven, he says. Okay, point one. The house of God is the gate of heaven. The house of God is the gate of heaven. Point number two, the house of God is an open heaven where angels descend and ascend. I'm going to get and explain this in a minute. I'm making some points and then I'm going to explain my points. Point one, the house of God is the gate of heaven. The house of God is an open heaven where angels descend and ascend. And point three, Jesus was the initial fulfilment of Jacob's dream. Jesus was the initial fulfilment of Jacob's dream. John 1.14. I'm going to explain all this. John 1.14. It's going to come up here. John 1.14. And the Word became flesh. Who was the Word? Jesus. Remember John 1.1, 1, 1, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word dwelt among us. Next one, New Living Translation, Jen. John 1.14. So the Word became human and made His home among us. So I've got the NIV, NIV, uh, New American Standards say that He dwelt among us. Jesus came and dwelt among us. And then we've got the New Living Translation and it said that He made His 
home among us. This is really important for the context of the gate of heaven and the house of God being the gate of heaven. Because Jesus was the fulfilment. Jesus was the gate of heaven. The Greek word dwelt or the, and the word for home, dwelt and home, is translated tabernacle. Tabernacle is a place, a structure. It's a place of worship. It's where God came, you know, the tabernacle of Moses, where God, uh, Moses would go, uh, uh, Exodus 33, where Moses would go and meet with God, the tent of meeting. We've got this, this incredible picture of the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, wild stuff, worship. David took it to a new level. So this idea that Jesus tabernacled, that He was the tabernacle of God manifest. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle is different, but Jesus coming changed everything. No more ark, no more tabernacle. God with us, presence with us. Now it's possible. It's, it's heaven to earth, this, this collision of, I wonder what He's like, and here He is. The curtain torn as a symbol of His body being torn apart so that we could experience God that we could know God, that it's not a religious concept, but it's this infilling, empowering of the Holy Spirit that transforms everything and we can never be the same again. Amen? Jesus was the house of God on earth, what Jacob saw in the dream. He was the house of God made flesh. He tabernacled among us, the Bible says. The house of God was not a location. It's not a building, but a person. Genesis, the, the dream of Jacob, Isaiah, the prayer, the baptism of Jesus with heaven being open, the curtain being torn, and now Jesus tabernacled among us. He, some translations say he made his home in our heart. I love this. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper to confirm that Jesus was the house of God and the gate of heaven. John 1:49 this is wild. John 1:49 to 51. Let's go. Nathanael answered him, "Rabbi, you are the he's saying to Jesus, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel." Great declarations. Jesus answered him and said, "Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these." And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You remember Jacob's dream? Jacob didn't understand Jesus and that whole thing. But he had a dream that God gave him. Jacob didn't make the dream up. God knows the beginning to the end. The, the Son of God was crucified before the end of the earth. They were a trinity together. Before anything, the glory which we had before the beginning of time, John 17 says. So they were perfect in union before the beginning of time. They knew this was happening. So Jacob released a dream about the coming Son of God who would be the house of God, who would tabernacle among us and set up this whole deal so that he could get to a point and say, hey guys, this is how I want you to pray. You've seen me, you've, you've heard about the dream that you were taught from your, your grandparents about Jacob's dream and the ladder and the angelic and the supernatural coming down and being ministered down onto the earth. You've seen all that. You've seen it happen on me. And guess what? This is how I want you to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. See, we hear that verse and we go, how does all this work? And we go, oh, this was a plan from Genesis. This was an idea from God from Genesis that we would understand that not only was Jesus the fulfilment of Jacob's dream, but so are you. Because what's the house of God, guys? Not a building. And we say that, we are the church. (laughs) Yeah, we are. You are the church. So what are you? Don't say, I'm a gate of heaven. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Are you Jesus? No. Are you co-heirs? Yes. Has even you all authority and all power? Yes. Will you ever be God? No. Are you co-heirs? Yes. When he looks at you, does he see Jesus? Yes. Why? Because of the cross. You were, baptized, you, were, you, were, you were crucified with him. You were buried with him. You were raised with him. Romans 6. Man, this is full on. John 1.51 in the New Living Translation. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So great. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus was the initial fulfilment of the house of God on the earth. But there was a greater intended purpose, a greater fulfilment to the master plan. Not only was Jesus the manifestation of the house of God, but so are we. I love this so much. I love this so much. You know, Corinthians says that we are a temple, tabernacle, house, dwelling. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that out of your innermost being will flow living waters. Hebrews says that are not angels ministering spirits sent to the heirs of salvation? 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, Make love your highest go, but earnestly desire the spiritual. Colossians 3.1 says, let's not fix our eyes on earthly things, but lift them up to the heavenly realms. There's this call, there's this wooing, there's this plan that's always been in place from Genesis that there would come a day where it would no longer be God just ministering a certain way to and for his people, but it would move into a day where God would move through his people. That we would actually acknowledge that Jesus came to the earth to model what a life in right relationship with God could look like and then tag us and say, you're it. So we now acknowledge we're the church. We say that all the time. We are the church but it's a lot scarier and confronting to say, I am the gate of heaven. Because you can go areas where we shouldn't go, where you get into Weirdville. I don't want to live in Weirdville, but I don't want fear to stop me living in God's realm. Often we're so scared about being deceived that we end up being just as deceived as pushing it too far. That's why we have family. 
It's why we pursue people to speak into our life. It's why we put my hand up, I, it's why I be intentional to pursue people to speak into my life. It's why I, I, I want feedback. It's why I want feedback from someone that sees my life. It's why I want feedback from someone that I love and trust and I know will handle my heart that I pour out in their hand and not smash it with a hammer and not judge me because they're aware of their own junk. But they'll actually begin to treat you according to God treating you because He doesn't count records of wrong. He's kind and patient and loving. And when we actually allow people in to represent Him, we see Him better which is the whole presence, health and influence deal and that list of 90 things that we wrote out. It's so easy to say that we are the church, but I tell you what, God's plan for you is that you would acknowledge that heaven is going to come to earth through you. That means there's angelic activity happening all the time. Supernatural stuff going on all the time. And I'm really passionate about about that all happening and learning how to be aware of it and then packaging it in a way that can be um, embraced. So often we think that the, the glory realm and the supernatural realm and the heavenly realm and all that realm, 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 and that I'm seated in heavenly places, I don't even get how that works. It's more real than you sitting right now. But we just need to go on a journey of embracing it and believing it and how it actually plays out in our life. If it doesn't play out in our life, you'll never believe it. You can have the Word of God in you so much. If it's not confirmed by an expression, by a testimony, with something, it's still true, but it's really hard to believe. It's meant to be played out. Jesus never rebuked Thomas. But what's his nickname? What if, hang on, what have we nicknamed him? Did Jesus ever call him Doubting Thomas? He didn't. He just taught him and explained and passed it him really well. He passed it him really well. Jesus never had a crack at him. But we've nicknamed him Doubting Thomas. It's, it's a joke. Pretty passionate. It's not, it's not okay. He was asking some questions. We're actually expected to see stuff come out of our life, which actually has, it's a circular thing. It's not believe something and just hope one day it's going to happen. It's actually having the audacity to spend time with the Lord and read stuff and then actually start to step out, like Ken said, and see it. I said it again. If we don't see testimonies, we're a book club. Seriously. And the Word of God's still true and it's still life and it's still... It's still real. But what happens if there's nothing to prove that that's real? We get, we get into this weird space of, oh, it's just by faith, brother. I'm like, yes, it is. But I've got faith to see all that stuff happen. And, and James backed that up really clearly. He said, hey, I'm going to show you what I believe with, with what comes out of my life, with the works with the, with the expressions, with the exploits. I'll just prove to you what I believe. Is that okay? So it's always been his heart. If it, uh, Jen, can you skip to the very last PowerPoint? 
Ephesians 2.19. We talk about the being a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit so that we can be the gate of heaven, so that we could be the, 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 the access point. What's a gate, guys? What's a gate? It's an access point. It's an entry point. So the way that, that, that God has set you up is so that you become an access point for the world. So that you become an entry point into experiencing God. They're not going to experience you because you're not the door. Jesus said, I am the door in John. He was clear about who was the way to salvation. He was really clear about who was the way to eternal life. He said, I'm the door. But he set this whole thing up so that you would actually... He said, it's better that I go. It's way better that I go because Holy Spirit, like the Spirit of Christ, the, the Spirit of list, 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 is going to actually fill you and you're going to become a dwelling place. You're going to become a walking tabernacle. You're going to become a walking house of God. You're going to become a walking gate of heaven where angels are ascending and descending, where the Spirit is moving through your life. You're so aware and it's not this spiritual stuff that you think you've got to do. It's believing. It's this morning when Mel's leading, when Melanie's leading, when Ken's painting, it's when I'm speaking, when someone's sharing a testimony. It's this constant, help me believe God. Help me repent God. Help me change the way that I think God. Help me, help me become in a group of people. Help me become in a family where I can, where I can actually put this stuff in place. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. This is, this is great stuff from Paul, teaching an early church on who they are. Consequently, you are now no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household. 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Himself as the chief cornerstone. 21. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And this is verse 22. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Can Dimitri, can you jump up, mate? That'd be so good. You can just play whatever you want. A gate is an entry point. It's an access point. It was what Jesus meant when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Thank you, Jesus. We are the gate of heaven. We are the gate of heaven. We are the point of contact between God and people. Can he move outside of us? Yes. Does he? Yes. Is that the primary way? No. 2 Corinthians 5 says that God is making his appeal through us. It's full on. It's challenging. But when we understand our identity, when we understand that repentance isn't a harsh word, when we understand that he's kind towards us, that he's present in our process, that he's not kicking us to walk, that he's not pushing us, has he got expectations? Yes. 
Are the expectations possible? Yes, or he wouldn't have set them. But he's a good father, fully aware of where we're at, fully aware of stuff that might have hindered us, fully aware of stuff that's in our heart. He's invested and involved. He said that the seed, the word that was deposited in you, he's, he's more invested than you are to see that bring come to completion. He adores you. He loves you. Every worship song that we sing, He could be singing the same words to you easily. We love because He first loved us. He's so good. And He sees your process. You're not a failure. Yeah, you're not a failure. I don't know where you're at with Him as we just step into some encounter time with Him, meaning we're just aware that there's some back and forward with Him and us happening. I'm not going to say you're right where He wants you because it's, it's not a great thing to say. It's, it's better for you to ask that question. You go, hey, how are we doing with this whole believing that I'm a gate of heaven. <laughs> How am I going with this? So when I'm at work and I need a solution, am I actually believing that there's angelic, angelic activity around me? Do I believe that His presence is near, that it's closer, that it's in me, that I am one with Him, that He's speaking, that, that He wants to... When I start to get into a debate with someone about Christianity and religion, am I aware of the supernatural activity around me that has solutions and answers for the person you're trying to debate with. He's got dates. He's got experiences. He's got, he's got understanding into that person that you don't know. You don't have to stick with debating because you're the gate of heaven. Am I saying that talking and explaining isn't the Lord? Of course I'm not. But there's got to be some level of encounter for people. Can that happen through words only? Of course it can. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But the gospel is never meant to stay with just words. It was a combination of a demonstration of the Spirit's power. It was this twofold thing that, and the Lord proved their message was true. So the preaching has to happen. But if the signs and wonders aren't following, we've got to look behind us and ask the question, why aren't they following me? And it all comes back to belief.